0: Hey gang, welcome to episode 152 of the No Priscinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive, Brought to you by Meow Wolf. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. This week on the show, Olivia Hamilton, founder of Play and co-creator of the Silent Play Experiment, which is running in Los Angeles right now. We have a lovely conversation about uh, about her work about about play. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's just it's just right there in in the word itself. Um, We'll get back to that in a second. Um, Hollywood Fringe. Oh, you thought I was gonna go to the, to the sponsorship stuff? No, no, no. Hollywood Fringe is in full swing right now. There are a, a lot of shows. I did uh, a recent edition of the Irregular, um, where we talked about I think last weekend's shows. I'll probably pump out another edition of the Irregular this weekend. Uh, for those who don't know, the Irregular is the very irregular. Uh, podcast for backers only on the Patreon. See that's how we did it. Uh patreon.com slash no Um it's it's just a little it's a little bonus. Um there there used to be a lot more of this show which was mm, ranty for lack of a better word. Happy rants, usually. Um <laughs> I should see my face right there like I dropped it. Um some of you uh who swung by uh Family Arts last night um I'm recording this on Friday morning, uh, for the, the Leia mixer got to see some live action versions of Noah ranting about, uh, about a particular show. Um, uh, maybe I'll talk about it a little bit later, uh, on this show. Um, yeah, like not happy rant, entertaining, I hope, but, but not happy. Uh, so yeah, there we go on that. Uh, duh, 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 duh. we do the bit where we thank people, right? Yes. Okay, so everyone knows, um, and also for those of you who to jump into something, we we had a really big spike in traffic last week. I'm always suspicious. I'm always like, oh, is that real? Or is there a computer somewhere that's just downloading over and over and over again? Because we've had big spikes once before, and it was just, it was random. It was random. So we'll see. Um, If you're new to the show, um. I, I hope I hope you enjoyed the interview with Nagin. It was great. <clears throat> I'm sorry about me. I'm a weirdo. Um, the show is this rambling conversation that's ongoing and never ending. And occasionally we try and stop and do a, this is where we are so far. Um, but, you know, the best way is just to like dive in uh, to some of the older episodes and, and look around for, for stuff that seems intriguing. Um, but we had a big spike, so uh, if you're sticking around, thank you for sticking around. Uh, I don't know why you tolerate me uh, other than, uh, you know, the occasional dose of self-depreciating humor. Um, what else is there? Oh, right. The thing where we thank people. See, that's what I am trying to do. Okay, so our latest backers for the Patreon are Jess Zimmerman and Kaushik Iyer. I hope I got both of your names right. Um, I'm famous for not getting names right. It's what I do. Always, when you become a backer of the Patreon at patreon.com slash no feel free to send a quick note saying, this is how you pronounce my name. I will beyond not be offended. I will be, oh, thank God, I'm not gonna embarrass myself later. Um, because there's nothing more horrifying than having someone butcher your name. Because despite the fact that my name is Noah Nelson, Um, I went by my mother's maiden name through most of my schooling experience, and people butchered that one. That was always fun. And so I know that anxiety firsthand. Um, Anyway, that's a whole other thing. The Patreon is going strong. Thank you all so much. Um, Meow Wolf coming on board and becoming our underwriter has definitely uh, changed the game up the stakes open up some new pathways and new doors. Uh, we are looking forward to actually getting the No Pro Goes Pro campaign uh, on lock this year. Um, we're looking to raise uh, in total $6,000 a month, uh, which is a lot of money. Um, and and that's just like the, this is what we need to make this viable. Um, kitting out special features goes beyond that. Uh, but let's just worry about the main goal right now. This month we are looking to push through into our next uh, goal, which is, uh, I believe it's twelve fifty, and then uh, if we can, uh, up to the fifteen hundred dollar goal on the Patreon. Uh, the the sponsorship money doesn't get, anyway. Look, there's math. We don't like math. But what I want to impress upon you, and then we'll get to the the final things, so and then we'll move on, uh, is. We're 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 fairly stretched to our limit at this point, so we we need to make this happen so that we can actually evolve the site so that we can give you guys the kind of coverage that you deserve. And at this point, you know we've got everything immersive, uh, we've got the Slack, we've got um we've got this podcast, and we've got the the website. And we're, we're starting to get to the point where it's not going to be easy to pull the thousand true fans trick and get the six dollars a month from a thousand people that we need. Um, but we're it's not impossible um, if everyone pitched in. And that's all I want to say. If everybody pitched in, we'd be there. We'd be there. Um, Easy would be is if we had, you know, 10 or 100 times the level of traffic, because then it it wouldn't even be a question. It'd be like, of course, you know, like 10 percent of the people are going to be able to do it. So uh, I know it's a big ask, Um, but uh, and I know it's kind of a ridiculous ask, but I I'm actually feeling guilty these days because um, I can't give you all I got because I have to give eight hours a day to other people. Um, so yeah, uh, you want to hire me for, for, for eight hours a day to work on this stuff? Well, I cost the low, low price of about five to 10 bucks a month from a thousand of you. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, okay. Let's do the things. <laughs> I hate this part of the show. I'm gonna turn it off now. Uh, you should, you should turn it off now. Uh. <laughs> The sustaining backers of No Priscinium, who whom whom made any of this possible, are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hanson, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you all, gentlemen. Um, there we go. And of course, as we know, Meow Wolf, who have really kicked us forward. So, uh, and indeed, when we when we we leap out into the great unknown, if it wasn't for them, ooh boy, yeah, talk about another year from now. Um, all right. Silent play experiment. What is the silent play experiment? Um, It is this play experience. Um, It popped up at four Larks's um, basic flowers space in downtown Los Angeles uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, It's kind of turned itself into a residency there through the end of this month. Uh, There's some issues with the lease over there. We've got a crisis of space here in Los Angeles. um, And... uh, and, and it's just, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. Trying to fix what we can. We're up against some really old rules. Um, for instance, uh, as it turns out, you know, you need parking for anything in this town. And uh, even when it makes no sense whatsoever. But let's not get into that. Um, what was fascinating for me about going to Silent Play Experiment was just the the, the ease with which it was able, they were able to get us to just drop our adult everyday selves and get back down into a sense of play. Um, It's, there's a, there's a kind of a, 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 I'm trying to find the right words here. I want, I want to say yoga. I want to say a mantra. I want to say you know, I almost want to say like spiritual, there's something primal about play. The, the act of play that is at the heart really of everything we do here. It doesn't matter what form it takes. It can, it can take the form of, of extreme horror. It can take the form of something like snow fridge where, uh, it's just there's there's just you know these sprites kind of dancing around you um there's this it's the act of not just suspending your disbelief but of actively co-creating with your imagination um uh, an ephemeral reality and that is literally what happens. Every moment inside of play. And I'm not saying you're going to go and you're like supercharged. But the number of people I know who've gone who have just come out and been like all, oh, my God. Um, and just like like at a level of surprise, right? You know, I don't necessarily recommend that you walk into anything expecting it, that it's expecting for it to change your life. That is the key way to be disappointed uh, with anything. Uh, hashtag Star Wars movies. Um, <laughs> No, I like solo. Um, the uh, <laughs> that one's sort of for Brian Bishop. Um, half the jokes are they're either for Brian Bishop or they're for Mike Fontaine. Um, the um, the my brain. Uh, there's there's just uh, anyway, let's just get into the interview because I'm not being very articulate this morning. Uh, it's it's Friday, June 8th. Uh, the world is a hellhole. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it is. Um, But there are bright spots. And my time in the silence play experiment and my time talking with Olivia Hamilton are both bright spots. I hope you enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. Okay, so we always just sort of stumble into this. So we haven't started yet, but oh, we start now. <laughs> so Olivia... Um,
1: we can I ask one quick question. Yeah, sure. Like, do you edit it or like no, this should. Is just, this so it's just going to be. Fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I won't be like, oh, can I say it again? Yeah, yeah cool.
0: Got it. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> definitely. In fact, we'll probably leave this part in. <laughs>
1: no, okay, good to know.
0: No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, it's totally just a loose conversation. Like, actually, the VR conversation we were having before would have been like, oh, that's, that's perfect. I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be recording that. Oh, wow. Um, it might come back around. Who knows? Okay. Um, so for those, for those who haven't had a chance to yet, could you just. Uh, what What is the Silent Play Experiment?
1: Sure. So the Silent Play Experiment is the current immersive experience from the Creative Collective Play, and it's a 90-minute guided experience of play in downtown L.A. So you walk in, you take off your shoes, you don't speak, and for 90 minutes you go on a journey where you sort of get progressively more and more open and playful, essentially with a group of strangers.
0: Now, how long have you guys? Because play's been around before this particular. How long have yes. you guys been playing around with play?
1: Oh, good question. And yeah. I love that you say playing around with play because that's what all art is. Um, five years. So five years ago, I started this in my five hundred square foot my five hundred square foot studio apartment um, in New York with my little sister, and it, that's how it began. It was in my apartment, just different groups of people coming, and then in LA. Same thing in this room that we're actually sitting in. Oh, wow. We moved the furniture to the side, like put things out on the porch, and would do sessions here. One,
0: one of my friends told me that I was like, "Oh yeah, like they used to do it out in neighborhood," and I was like, "Oh cool!" And then when you said like, you know, it was like, "Come meet me out in neighborhood," I was like, "Oh neat!" And didn't think it would be the same. Oh yeah, so the exact sense. space. Yeah, 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 I've been here for
1: three years. Yeah. Oh, nice. So we would do it in this very room. And then my neighbors complained because there was a lot of stomping. <laughs> and so then we started doing it in Santa Monica yoga. Because mm. um, I was working with uh, Julian Walker, who's an ecstatic dance facilitator. Um, he kind of taught me the ropes of movement facilitation. Oh, cool. So we did, he's a teacher at Santa Monica yoga. So we did it there. And then just started kind of playing with location. Did it um, in Topanga. We kind of rented an Airbnb that had a teepee in a big outdoor space. And did one there, and then people started offering up their residences. We did one for uh, the Animal Hope and Wellness Foundation called Play for Pups at a residence in Studio City. Um, and did another one in Topanga, one in Hollywood in this room with mirrors. Like we just kind of, I like doing it in different spaces because, as you know from all sorts of immersive experiences, like it's a it's a mix of what the idea you had in your head and then also what space you have to work with. Yeah, and it kind of fosters, I think. Some of the creation to move to different spaces. So yeah, we're all over the place.
0: Yeah. No, the the site responsive part of the work as a whole is is such a big thing. And I think people sometimes lose sight of that. Yeah. Like, you know, it, we're always in conversation with the space around us, whether right. we realize it or not. Right. And when we can make that part of the art, it's gets it just it just unlocks new things. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you ideas you wouldn't have otherwise. Totally. It gets you out of out of out of when when every that as someone who's Done a lot of theater and studied theater. The the idea that we weren't going to be bound by, you know, a you know, three quarter thrust black box or a proscenium stage or even theater in the round and always just like you know we're going to build our magic circle and we're but we're limited to you know where the footlights are. Right. The idea we can oh we can break out entirely from that is very exciting and yeah. even when the work, even when like a, a, I saw a show last night that like was very frustrating in a lot of ways, but it was blowing some people away because they had never been to anything where there was a bunch of traversal before. Mm. And so even though I saw like all the flaws in, in the piece, they were just like, oh like this was amazing and I was like, oh, wait do you see some stuff that like knows what it's doing. Um, because that that's that thing. is like, you know, we're not we're often not aware of the fact that we're in conversation with the space around yeah. us and the work can orient us. How really? did you get into the idea of of play as a as a as a a word as a discipline yeah right
1: so i am an ex business person i used to work at mckinsey i was a consultant and i quit to pursue acting and so play i think of as is kind of like the marriage of those two worlds and it came out of my transition actually from business into the arts mm. so i um yeah, I when I was when I was doing you know business stuff in New York, I was not really happy, and my best friend said, "Do this book the artist way." Um, have you heard of the artist? Yeah, one of okay. my friends is doing it right now. So. Amazing. Yeah, I've done it three times. Highly recommend it. Um, and I just basically was writing about acting a lot. It was a childhood passion that I did all through high school, but then for whatever reason, you know, didn't pursue. Probably because it was. Risky, um, it is highly practical, <laughs> and it's true, so. exactly. Yeah, so, um, I have a theater degree
0: it's not got yeah. that much use, yeah. until
1: now, until now, so exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm a big, I love that. I mean, just to, to sidetrack a bit, I love that Steve Jobs quote where he talks about how you can't connect the dots looking forward, but you can looking backwards, yeah, so. I didn't know, you know, that play that that going into acting, which I'm still doing, was going to kind of bring me to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't have imagined that, but I definitely believe if you kind of follow your gut and you're going for what you're into in the moment, then as Steve Jobs says, the dots will connect. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah. So I quit. It was between acting. I was. Um, it was a huge transition to go from a world where I was managing a team and I had to be really buttoned up and almost like a non-human. You know, to a world where it was like, how can we break you apart and access all parts of your, your humanity? And get and basically, like what you do in acting classes, you remember probably from theater school, is a lot of play. And oh, yeah. it's like, there's pieces of it that are technical. Like, you know, let's look at the camera angles and this. But most, like 90%, I think, of what we did at the school I went to um, was just like exercising our creative muscles and, and our play muscles. Yeah. So then i had the realization cuz because i was growing so much as a human from that like i was becoming more playful and my relationships were you know getting deeper and better and i was just changing my little sister who had moved in with me to make the rent when i quit we she was like you're a different person like and the two of us had the idea like let's do this you know let's do an acting experience type effect but for non-actors. You know, let's create yeah. something that can give that to people who are not gonna go become a professional actor, but, you know, can benefit from stretching those muscles and expanding in that way.
0: It's it was so nice to get back into those modes. And every time, like there's been some we've done some workshops of late, in the past mm-hmm. couple of years. And every time I'm back in, in one of those scenarios, just reconnecting with that part of myself, reconnecting with the immediacy of creation and just the ephemeral nature of it. You know, yeah. you, you make something, you let it go, you had the moment. Right. And you know, there was a little bit of connection. Um and then it's and then it's gone. And 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 just knowing that, that that power, that generative power is always just always there. A second away.
1: Right. Well I mean you're lucky because you obviously had training in that and you were aware you even had it. I find a lot of people who come to play are like I didn't even realize I could do that. Yeah, like their whole God. their whole sense of self. They say like we often. I mean, we all do this. Even I do this. I, I told myself like I'm not an artist. I am a this. I am not someone who dances in public. I just don't do that. Like how often do people say things like that? You know, like that's not me. That's whatever. And like the self is so fluid. I think. And so what I like. What what I love about play is people who come and they're like. I'm so I can do these things I didn't realize I could do. Like I'm, I'm, um, that, like you were saying, that's like my fingertips, that ability to kind of create and is actually there. I didn't even know.
0: Yeah. Well, we're a lot more, we're a lot more expansive than we, than we realize. Than we realize. Yes. Yeah, you know? Totally. Um, and it's, it's funny because like we're, God, what was it? Oh man, there's something, something over the weekend. Oh, you know what it was? I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna cheese. Everyone knows that I cheese on this show. Um, a clip of Christopher Reeve who played Superman back in the yeah. you know, the, 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 the really good movies um, was going around. It must have been like 78, 79, maybe it was 80. Um, and they were, the, the interviewer was talking to him about, um, you know, what was it about, that he must have had a philosophical take on the character because um, you know, he had studied at Juilliard, which I I knew about that, but he had also studied at like, you know, the Comedia Francais and he'd been at the Old Vic and all this stuff or, or somewhere in London and had this, Massive. I mean, he was a serious, serious actor. Like, like the highest level of training you could possibly have. And um, you know, they asked him, like, what was your take on the character? And he said, like, you know, Superman's a friend. And then he had this, like, kind of sidebar about how, you know, we we're all put upon by technology. We're all, particularly people who live in cities, we feel disconnected from each other. And yet, America was built on the idea that you know, you, you your neighbors would help out a friend. Like you had a problem, they'd come bring a donkey to like you know like fix your problem or whatever it was. Donkeys are
1: great. Fixing right.
0: And 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 that that fundamental you know sense of connection but that particularly in cities we're all kind of like closed off and not willing to like connect with each other and I'm always thinking about you know life in cities and how we don't know who our neighbors are and this is not something that's been you know this, this is something that's maybe like, what, you know, a couple hundred years old? I mean, I guess the city has been before that, but like this real sense of alienation that we have and yeah. we're kind of aware of our alienation as yeah. a culture and we don't seem to be willing to do anything about it. Right. And yet we get into these scenarios of, you know, escape rooms or what you've built or, or even even for folks I can see, like, at a selfie museum, you know, where, like, maybe, like, there's something that they didn't know they, they'd get to interact with. And, like, for just that brief second, they open back up and they get back to being kids. Yeah. And that kind of openness that you have, you know, before puberty sets in and, and all the stakes get really high, <laughs> right? Um, Start so
1: self-editing and everything, yeah. 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 How...
0: How, how many of these have you done now? And then I want to talk specifically about the, the silent one for a second, too. But like, Oh, my you... gosh.
1: I should calculate. I've probably done, like, 30 or 40 unique experiences. And then of the silent play experiment, let's think. We did six, 12, like, 30-ish.
0: 30, wow. Okay.
1: Of them, probably. Yeah.
0: So what... what um, do, do people come back? Like, how you kind of have, like, you know... Repeat customers, people coming back and visiting, or is it something where people like are often telling their friends and getting their friends to come? And
1: so, with and, play in general, yeah. it's weird. I, I find that almost when we we used to do them like every month, basically, just right. sort of more simple things in different yoga studios around town, like I was mentioning, or different spaces. And in those cases, it was typically like half returning, half new, almost mm-hmm. every time. I would be like, "Who's new?" and it would be about half returning, half new. For the silent play experiment, it's definitely almost all new. Some people come back to do it twice, but I think because it's downtown and it's kind of the most immersive, sort of intense thing that we've done, I think it's not something that people think to do multiple times, but we definitely have some people who, who've been doing it, like did it, I think three times is the most that someone's come back.
0: When did you guys settle on going silent for this one? Because I thought that was really, really interesting.
1: So it was an idea that had been floating you know, this like, idea list of things that we want to try and we did a bit of a test we did like a test one in January um here at Moto Yoga in Venice and it was the like we did no idea how it was gonna how it was gonna work and by far the coolest experience we've done like the, the just the best energy like the most um it achieved what our goal is which is to get people out of their heads mm-hmm. and in their bodies and connect with other people better than any previous experience that we had done so when the opportunity came up to do something in this space, I was like, "We're doing the silent play experiment, but we're gonna, you know, blow it out and yeah. make it cooler." Yeah, so we tested it, and and knew that it was, you know, special to do it silently.
0: What What do you think that difference is between the silent and the not silent? And
1: the not silent. Yeah. So I think a couple factors on the silent when, when you when you can't speak by by nature you can't think about what you're gonna say. And so often I think that's what puts people in their head. is just like thinking about what they're going to say and then also obsessing about what they said before and if it could have been better or if whatever. Um, so it helps to get people out of their head to just not even have the option to speak. <laughs> and you also... I find that like... The, you know, we were talking about clowning earlier. When you can't speak, you have to use so many more parts of your instrument to express yourself. And you have to get creative and tap into things so you get physical you use your facial expressions like you tap people you're 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 a bit more exaggerated in how you're doing things and you just sort of slowly kind of become clown clown like um without really having you know be different if people came in and we said okay we're all going to be clowns now yeah that would be like people's idea of what a clown is people would become that whereas if you just say we're not Mm going to speak organically people kind of become clown-like and they you know we even have face paint and stuff that people can use and um and yeah it just it like uh when you take away one thing people have to lean on muscles and things that they wouldn't normally use which just enhances i think some of the the play um like your access to your play muscles basically
0: yeah. it's interesting because like the the whole idea of you know when you take away the option to talk, you were saying, you know, like, you take away the option to talk and, like, you know, so much is, like, wrapped up in thinking about what you said, thinking about what you're going to say, you know, reflecting on that and getting anxious about it. It makes me think of, like, Meisner technique and, you know, the idea, like, when, when you're up there, you've got... To, and maybe that's just because, like, I, I did a Meisner workshop in the same space where you guys do the, do the play. Oh, no, I... Um, yeah. Um, the... In there, of course, you know, you you are talking, you're doing the whole observation thing, but like it can only it's only bounded in that moment. And then like if you come back in, even come back in with the same person, you've got to let go of what happened before. Right. And they may have said something cruel before. Right. But like there's no there's no revenge possible. Like it's not because it's all about like right there in that moment. Right. And this idea that we're we're trying to bring people back to a, a, sort of a fierce experience of now. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. A, a tot- a, the totality of the moment. Right. Um, and 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 so much of immersive anything is, is sort of bent that way. Yeah. So, have you yeah. checked out, um, have you like traipsed down and caught a lot of immersive theater stuff or?
1: So not a ton. I mean, I've done Sleep No More and I did the... Um, the opera, the mobile opera experience. In oh, LA. hopscotch! Yeah. Oh yeah. Which was amazing.
0: Hopscotch is. I was just thinking about that the other day. Um, I think because I was like, because I was driving. Did you, did you do the part where like they drove down by the river? Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was, I was near there. With the instruments,
1: that, people playing, Yeah. yeah walked around. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I had that little flash of like you know being in a jeep while a woman's like doing an aria or sort of, like speeding down like next to the riverbed, and I was like. It feels like a weird dream I had. Yeah. Right? Which is oftentimes when the stuff is at its best, that's what it feels like. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean that was one of the coolest things I've ever done, I think, the mobile opera. That was super inspiring. I loved that. And then yeah, I did Soup No More in New York and I did this Shakespeare immersive thing in New York when I was there. But it's funny because I mean I'm I'm gonna try to start going to more of them. This the idea that we of play as immersive theater. Is a relatively new concept in my mind. Like, I used to think of play, you know, for the past five years when we were doing them as more akin to like another thing like yoga or meditation. Like, I was gonna build the next mm. version of that. Yeah. So, my research and things, I would go to Esalen and do a dance retreat or, you know, going to like an ecstatic dance class, basically doing things that were more in that realm was where I would kind of like go to get recharged. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to try to experience more immersive theater now that that's sort of what we've morphed into. Yeah.
0: Well what's, what's interesting about what you guys have is that there's there's this it's an er form, right? Like it's about the the core essence. I mean what I find interesting about immersive theater qua immersive theater is that it's it's the same idea of like let's let's do acting related things for non actors. Yeah. Right? Like that that's that's a key part of it. I often yeah. say when I go to a show I'll say like look that's the cheapest, you know, that's the cheapest cheapest acting class I'm going to take, right? You know it's like it's spent even it's like 110 bucks. It's like mm-hmm. all, you know acting class can cost a lot. So it's like oh this is great and and you get this experience of like being in a show, depending on the amount of agency they give you, you might really really have a lot of responsibility yeah and if you're doing it right if they're doing it right and you're doing it right you get these moments of being present Mm -hmm. you get to have these like you're acting in these scenes and the only thing is like you don't know what your lines are if indeed you can speak at all right y'all's thing is like just like the pure just like stripped down version of that right it's like let's just get down to What's what is the core essence? It's like we're we're playing, we're creating little moments. Yeah, you know, we're giving we're giving people the means to which I think what I find interesting about what you do is like you know you start off kind of kind of open form and then you move people through the exercises. Yeah. So like why? What, what's so the, the
1: yeah, yeah, yeah the genesis of that essentially was like people arrive at different times. Mm. So we were like when all with all of our experiences that we've done we always have some sort of a arrival activity to help people drop in so if it was in a yoga studio we'd have paper on the floor and you'd be coloring for the first you know 15 minutes while everyone's getting there um, so that was like the original reason behind having a beginning portion that is self-guided
0: because no one in LA could be on time yet. exactly
1: that, like, like like I wish I could say there was some like beautiful you know like really thought through reason but that was the original reason why we had these self-guided pieces at the beginning of every experience yeah and um, with the silent play experiment, we just because we had so much space, you know. Originally, it was just gonna be you paint on the walls when you arrive, right. and then when we got in there, the guys had that refrigerator, and we were like, oh, we we just kind of kept at like we kept making it this whole thing until it got to the point where. Originally we were gonna cut it off after 30 minutes. But we found that people wanted to live in it a little longer, so we because we kept adding things to it too. Like it's definitely different from when you came. You came really early, yeah. yeah. But we've we enhanced it. The set.
0: wall was like bare when I came. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, we do paint it over it white, yeah, yeah. so it's 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 white after every weekend. But basically, um, it, you know it just we just realized that like people actually sometimes it's a, it's a favorite part of the experience when they get to just self guide yeah. and create those moments, like you said. Um, cause that's the part of the experience where the audience has full authorship, like everything that you experience, you create or someone invites you to create. Um, but the reason that that's not the entire experience is cause I do think that, you know, you're lucky if someone comes up to you and gets you to do something, then you're kind of pushed a little bit outside your comfort zone. Right. Otherwise it's almost like what you put in was, is what you get out. Like if right. you're someone who's shy and in that beginning part of the experience, you feel uncomfortable, like... You're stretching maybe a little bit. Yeah. But what's cool when we start to guide it and we take it over and do group things is that I think it helps people expand to that next level. the, The way I think about it is that you warm up at your own pace, at your own level with what you're comfortable with in the beginning. And then when we take over and start facilitating as a whole group, you're like primed to expand further. And that's where we really stretch and we really start, you know, getting weird.
0: Yeah. No, I, mean, I know my own experience of it was like I was I was being because I'm an ambivert. I was having a particularly introverted week, uh, but I still managed to find like. Is the, an
1: ambivert like someone who goes back and forth? Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. I've never heard that. I'm yep. an ambivert. <laughs> I, I think a lot of
0: actors or people who are drawn to acting training are. Yeah. Because if you if you think about it, that's true. If you think about it, and and. It's, it's all about how, okay, sometimes I want a lot of attention. Right. And sometimes <laughs> I need the social to, like, fuel me. And other times it's like, no, 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 no. I need to take off the mask entirely and go read a book. And, like, I need no one to talk to me for a while and right. recharge the batteries that way. But, like, yeah, like, I always had the, the extrovert. Someone did a great job sometime. They explained, like, extroverts it's like it's a, or introverts is about what charges you, right? right. Like, an introvert yeah, yeah. gets charged off doing solo stuff. An extrovert right. gets
1: charged to around people.
0: And I'm like, but both you need well, both. It's both. Yeah. And that's that the te- I guess the technical term for it is ambivert. Okay. Um, so you're an ambivert and so you're having I'm you're
1: an introverted week. I was
0: having an introverted week. And so but even then, like I still I I, I did thoroughly enjoy, like I found a boomerang. Because uh, you, like, squirrel toys and whatnot around. And the only thing that was... the One thing about the boomerang was it was slightly frustrating. was, like, I knew you couldn't actually throw it in that space. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, I've got a boomerang. Um, and so I walked around with it on my head for a while. Right? I saw that. Yeah. There's a picture of you. Yeah, there's a picture of me, like, <laughs> meditating with a boomerang on my head. And I just... I was like, okay, I'm just going to be the weird kid in the corner. But I was very happy to inhabit the space of being the weird kid in the corner. Yeah. And then when you guys started, like, pulling everyone together... Um, You know, it it was, it was funny, it was just like, somehow we just like shifted into being comfortable, you know, and that was not something I was entirely expecting, like, I think that's like some, some alchemy of, you know, what you're, what you as a facilitation team are doing, you know, there's, there's, there's an art to this stuff that's, it's kind of it's it, I don't know I mean some of it can definitely be taught some of it's talent right you know
1: it's it's some funny. of it's test and learn like it's a, you yeah. know it's a lot like I do think that like I've, like after doing it for five years and doing so many different ones that mm-hmm. there's a piece of the experience creation that's just like it's kind of like with anything, with like writing or whatever, like you learn the grammar and then you know it, and then it's in you. And you're yeah. not thinking about it, but you're like, no, nope, that can't go after this sequence because people will be going in this, you know, like you just kind of have a sense of like how to build people into wherever you're intending to get them to yeah. go.
0: See, that's the other thing that connects what you're doing to immersive, because it's it's experience design. Yeah. And it's driven by where like what you just said is like is it or experience design. It's like no you can't do this after this because of where the audience's energy going, where right. where where their mindset's going to be, right. and that's something that a lot of people who are, who start off making immersive like they'll get that wrong. Yeah, right. Like they they'll be thinking about well, I'm telling this story, right? And I want them to be in this space, Or, or this has to come because the characters have to do often it's like the story goes this way, the characters have to do that. Right. This is what has to happen now, and it's like the audience is not going to be in that emotional space. Right. Right? Or, or like, I think about... I'll think about, say, like, um, um, like, movie structure. And, like, even when sometimes, like, something like a Chris Nolan movie can feel like it doesn't have, like, a three-act structure to it. It feels like it's has, like, a 90-act structure or whatever. But if you get down to the emotions of it, like, it's got that kind of standard heartbeat. You yeah. Know, there's an Aristotelian heartbeat to yeah. what's going on. And, and that's all about... The emotion of the audience, and you right. can do all this. You can do crazy stuff with plot. You can do crazy right. stuff with character, but like there's a there's a there's a rhythm underneath. Right. All this stuff, and that's about the design of the experience. Exactly. Um, how do you how do you put one of these? Is it pure trial and error?
1: Ooh, like how do you like conceive a play yeah. experience? Yeah. Because you knew, you knew
0: you wanted to play around with the
1: silent. Yeah. Like, like, how did we come it. up... Yeah, it's a really good question. So how did we come up with, like, what what were the things that we were going to do in different pieces? Yeah. Um, This, I would say, is, like, the most painful part of the process. Like, the taking an idea and then being, like... It's... Because it is... It's like putting puzzle pieces together. Mm. And it's like... It's like making drafts. Like, you kind of hate the drafts until you love it. You know what I mean? Um... But, I mean, like, so for the silent play thing, like, the way we started, so Kyle, like, um, who is sort of my collaborator on conceiving these at this point, you know, when we, what we would do is, like, one of us will basically flesh out, like, here's a bad version of this. So I think I took the silent play experiment. And I kind of just fleshed out, okay, this is the first thing people do, then this or whatever. Because I find it easier to work from... Like a bad version, or like a re- you know a straw man, mm-hmm. than to just try to perfect it the whole way. So basically, I'll, I'll like type up like you know here's the experience, and then the two of us will sit down and like we'll push the thinking and we'll you know tear this away and add this, um and then even down to like the night before we'll be adding. So so then I said once we have like the idea of how it's gonna be, then we'll. For that, for that one, because we're doing a yoga studio, then we went and saw the space. And that gave us, like, three more ideas. So then we changed it in those ways. And even down to, like, the night before, we're changing things and adding things. Because I find that, like, I like to sit with a program for, like, at least a week or two mm-hmm. and let myself get ideas once I have it in my head to be like, oh, that tree. Let's do a silent wish tree. Or, like, like some of the ideas for... Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, or a selfish wish tree. Some of the ideas for the silent play experiment came because, like, you know, we're building it and then... I'm, like, delirious one night, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, ha-ha, I want to selfish. Like, like having that space and time to just, like, have things pop into your head yeah. while you're working on it. Um, so then, like, that's sort of a whole phase. And then I'd say, even, like, like with the current experience, like, like I said, it's been... Some things are just like, oh, that didn't work, let's change this. So were you... When you came, did we do painting on backs? Did we... Do yeah, that. they were like drawing on that. So we don't, we didn't do that anymore. After the first weekend, we dropped it. Oh really? Because I didn't like it. Because I felt like it was like hit or miss. It wasn't like everybody was into it. Some people were confused. Yeah, it was hard to explain in silence. Yeah, and um, and it put some people in their heads because some people were just writing words instead of drawing. <laughs> so now we do this thing where um, people basically take turns being the conductor, like silently creating kind of like like scenes with people, people will do like, you know, uh, runways or this thing where everyone's laughing at people's belly, but you're basically just like pointing to people and telling them what you want them to do by demonstrating. Mm. So you basically swap that out. That's probably like the biggest change we made from the beginning, but then we'll also like have things sort of organically happen. Like one time there was a line to get into the tunnel. It was just too many people arrived at once. So I was like, ah, what do I do? And I went and stood at the, at the steps at the front of the tunnel and I kind of made every person who came through do a little play challenge with me. And I would just sort of invent them on the spot based on their energy. If someone came up and like sighed, I would just start sighing. And then we'd like, we would just go somewhere with it. It was like a little <laughs> bit of play before you entered. So now that is a part of the experience, basically. You have to oh, do a little cool. challenge with me or one of the other facilitators before you even enter. Because we found that, you know, by accident, basically, we had added this piece that basically like, what it did is that once you went in, you were already like dropped in. You know what right. I mean? Like because you'd already been loosened up a little yeah. bit and people in the front room would even like start playing around you know like there was one guy was on the floor with like being like a dog with and then other people in the front room started doing it like it just it begins to play the minute you enter yeah. so that's just like i guess it's a you know it's very iterative i'd say like yeah. the whole experience like this has been the longest one we've done so it's gotten to be the most iterative which is actually really cool
0: and you're doing it through the rest of June. Yeah. And you've been doing it where, where Basic Flowers is, was? Yes. Or? Basic Flowers
1: yeah. is. Yeah. But if anybody is looking for a space, I would say, like, you know, reach out to me because basically the the guys who are renting it, the four larks guys, yeah. they are gonna probably give it up at the end of June. Yeah. We were trying to th- see if we could take it over. There just isn't, you know, enough, I'd say, like with just one experience in it. It can't, like, we can't make the rent essentially. Yeah. But if there were other, you know, creative groups or artists that had performances they wanted to do, you know, like, it, it's such an amazing space. It's,
0: it's a fantastic space. Yeah, I know they got, they got dinged because there was like a, there was a, there was like a, a, a concert that, the, yeah, yeah the, the, per, the permit stuff is, I mean, it's, it's, it drives me nuts because, like, it's like, even, even the simple stuff, it's even stuff that should just, like, that space belongs. In, in the, the arts, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So
1: I don't know what's gonna happen with it, but yeah, maybe we can find some other groups that want to use it. Yeah, I'd love to like have a, the ability to you know basically come back in October and do a new experience there, but I don't want to just keep doing the same experience because then I can't create something new.
0: Yeah, I'll be down for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's so through through the end of June, and then hopefully a re, a new, yeah. new thing. Yeah. So what's what's your what's your Dream here for this. So You mentioned like you're you thinking of a, like like the way like yoga is. Are you thinking of like, you know, instilling this with like other groups of facilitators and like you're doing satellites? Is that part of part of the Yeah, do, or? that's
1: where we're sort of headed. I think okay. like the I had to just I was away, I was away for a wedding in May, so the team did it without me, and now we've hired like other facilitators basically, and it's sort of become this thing that I don't have to be there for, which is amazing. And I didn't use to like kind of like you said some of it like. So the people who are like currently, you know, Ross and Kyle, are, are like really special, and it's hard to find, like, the perfect facilitators. But now that we've been training other people, I believe like, okay, it's possible we can do it. It just requires like, you know, a couple sessions of getting someone on board. So I guess the dream, like, I'd love to kind of take Silent Play Experiment and take it on like a five-city tour and do it in different cities while also developing, you know, the next one, which I really want to. Test out, like play in the dark. You know, let's deprive another sense. Yeah, um, but that's going to mm-hmm. be trickier, and we might need more insurance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I can think of a couple of cities and a couple of spaces for you. So oh my we'll, gosh, we'll talk about that afterwards. Yeah, um, and maybe some of those people listen to the show and they'll yeah. they'll know who they'll, they'll, they'll know who they are. Um, Olivia, and this then is my long we no, one more oh, thing. yeah, please.
1: My long term dream, because just we were talking about earlier how it's hard. You know, for all of these immersive experiences to like market themselves and and mm-hmm. um, like make it basically. Um, so I'd love to basically create one day like a big museum space where I just invite other artists to come in and have like immersive experiences. So we've got like three immersive experiences going on, and there's a rotating immersive experience. Basically, have a permanent space that's not just my creations, but you know supports the creations of other people who want to create like play like experiences we will definitely talk after this.
0: Okay, go on. starts. Yeah, there's some folks you got to talk to. Um Olivia, thank you so much. Oh,
1: thank you. This is a pleasure. <laughs>
0: Once again, I want to thank our guest, Olivia Hamilton of Play, for being our guest on the show. You can find them at make-life-play.com, and just just in case you missed it during the, the interview itself, uh, the, her co-creators on The Silent Play Experiment are Kyle Kaminsky and Ross Weingarten. Just wanted to make sure I got that in. Something that we recorded as part of the, the, the preamble to the show, and I just wanted to make sure that that got stated for the record. Hi, how's it going? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a detour from the usual today, uh, and uh, I realized after I recorded that very strange opening that I probably needed to. Um, so this is I'm recording this on Friday, June 8th, and um, I, I'm I do something terrible every morning is that I check social media while I'm still in bed. I'm a news junkie. I'm also a newsman. Uh, it's part of my job. Um, I probably shouldn't do that. It's a very bad idea. Uh, particularly um, this this uh, morning woke up to the news that uh, um, author, journalist, chef, Anthony Bourdain uh, had died. Um, it's apparently suicide. Um, and... Uh, I, 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 it's, it's struck a chord with me. Um, I know this topic can be very, very difficult for a lot of folks. Um, particularly if you've lost people to it, uh, particularly if you struggle with depression. Um, I think it should be no surprise to anyone, uh, to know that I struggle with depression. I don't talk about it a lot. Um, I'm, I mentioned, uh, I can't remember if it was in the interview or if it was, I think it was before the interview, Olivia and I were talking and I talked about how I'm an ambivert. don't know if you would, it, it, some of you might not know what an ambivert is. And I, if I did it in the interview itself, I am sorry because, oh boy, I'm repeating. Um, but uh, the pre and the post interviews often blur and uh, secret, I often don't re-listen really to them before we, we do this part of the show. So I'm like, I can't remember what was said. Uh, But essentially, you know, you take your extrovert, you take your introvert and you mix them together to make a less effective human being and you get an ambivert. No, Uh, but yes. Um, But sometimes no. Um, Sometimes it's very useful if you're if you're self-aware enough to know it's like, oh, I need to be extroverted and like, oh, I need to be introverted. And then you're able to charge up from both both things. Right. Um, And um, and it's it's something, uh, you know. I don't always have full control over. Um, And I, uh, I know that there's a lot of folks out there who have the same thing. And I just, on a day like today, I find myself, um, interestingly enough, I don't find myself sad because I think of how fierce of a warrior Anthony Bourdain was. And um, how brightly he burned, and how many demons he he wrestled with, mm-hmm. and all all that today's news makes me is angry and resolved, and knowing that this is an unjust world, and this is a world where the cruel and the vicious. And the deluded often get their way and often make everyone else's lives miserable because they lack empathy. They lack the ability to understand what's in another person's heart. Um, mostly by no fault of their own, And some few bastards by choice. Um, This work we are all involved in, be it in creation or appreciation or spreading the gospel, I feel has a teleological purpose. That is to bring connection, open people up, invite them to be open, show them how we are both different and the same at the same time to provide perspective, not just intellectually, but viscerally at the level of the heart. This is the mission. This is the calling. This is what immersive, be it physical or digital, is ultimately about. And it takes many forms. Many forms. And some of them have rough, rough edges. And some of them are whisper-filled dreams. Because there's all kinds of people and they find their connection in all kinds of way. But at the end of the day, it's about that it's about one person connecting to another in a moment and knowing that that moment is always just, just on the other side of this ineffable thing. It's one of the things that makes play so special is it's like the raw uncut version of it. It's just, slipping out of your disbelief, slipping out of your normal shell into a moment of connection, a moment of of play. It's almost like it's a it's almost like it's a dirty word. It's like like, oh we can't we can't play. We can't we can't play in a world that's this bad. And there are times when I think of how bad the world is and how a lot of this stuff feels super frivolous. And then I remember that this is us practicing our values and not just practicing like like I'm practicing to get them better, but like, you know, imprinting them into the world. We build a community, we build institutions and structures because we believe that there can be a better world than the one we inherited. And we believe that not only can we build it for the future, but that we can live it in ourselves. That we can get there. If we dream hard enough and work hard enough. Got to do both. And so today on a day when a fair number of people are mourning a celebrity and when a lot of people are remembering what it is that haunts them every day. I want you to know that there's a whole bunch of us out here and we're fighting to make this a better world. And some of our instruments are absurd and some of our instruments are very precise. And every moment of attention you've given us to fight this fight and build this world, we are very grateful for. So I hope that was coherent um, because the world isn't very coherent these days. Um, and I was gonna go off about a fringe show, but I'll save that for the irregular. Um, and I just want all of you to be good to each other this weekend and always whenever humanly possible. remember everyone you see is struggling with something. everyone, especially the terrible people. <laughs> They got it the worst. After all, they have to live with themselves. Mm. Okay. Um, (laughs) All I can think of is that that was both cruel and kind all at the same time. Um, All right, gang. Um, you know, that thing I say about how if you, you want me to be able to do this sort of thing full time, and I don't mean that, I mean like work on no pro. Well, it's that time of the day where I have to go work in the salt mines. So, uh, gonna go do that now. Um, I hope you all, uh, I hope you all have an excellent, excellent, excellent weekend. If you're in Los Angeles, I hope you are enjoying the Hollywood fringe, uh, and you find some surprising delights. Uh, We'll be updating the Fringe Diary as we go and see more shows. And yeah, that's it. Um, That's the show this time. Let's do the credits. The music for No Pristinium, as always, is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Pristinium are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hanson, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Sometimes it sounds like I'm taking a side, just there's a lot of names. (laughs) It's like no, I'm not. I'm not. No judgments on anyone. <laughs> Just I can't get it through in one breath. It used to be three people. These are the problems I'm glad to have. And of course, no pro. <laughs> I'm sure they're rethinking it now. Uh, no presidium is brought to you by the very fine people at Meow Wolf. I'm Noah Nelson. Until next time, I'll see you at the show.